he got four heart valves. Okay. And, and one of mine's still leaking, but it's not leaking enough to to be any concern. But the older you get, the older your organs get. Mm. And so the older your organ get, the less they kind of like work at optimization. Yeah, I almost got stuck in a snowstorm, so I basically came in there, blitzed the food really fast, and like I'm out, fellas. And um, <laughs> and, I, and lo and behold, I did get stuck in the snowstorm, so I had to. I was in the middle of the highway for like I don't know hours. Oh, jeez! Almost ran out of gas because we like couldn't all like where we were. The ga- all the gas stations closed at nine. Oh Cottage man! Country, yeah, so like yeah. we had no gas, and then we stopped, and police passed us, and they didn't they didn't help and. Um, some random dude, a pickup truck, had some gasoline in the back, and he was extremely kind and hooked us up. And then we still had like four. I mean, literally, we were two and a half hours from Toronto, but it took us a day to get back oh. because of that much snow. It was like you yeah. can't drive on those roads without lights, and no, it was yeah. snow that got that thick in like an hour. Or so. Jeez, jeez, as well. <laughs> well, Joe Friday, yes. Chef Joe Friday. Welcome to the Genstock Pod. Welcome, Chef. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. You a cowboy? Um, I am a cowboy at heart. Um, um, my retirement plan got a lot of cowboy in it. Nice. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a statement to wear a cowboy hat. But okay. I have a lot of cowboys in the family. Yeah. So it's not like too far away, you know. So I have some pretty like hardcore cowboys in the family. So what else is in the retirement plan? Uh, down south, south of the border. Whereabouts? North Carolina. That's where you're born. Yeah. 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 Kind of back there and not necessarily retirement, but like more stabilization of life. Um, as far as just being in a place where closer to family and you can place, you can start a family. You mm-hmm. feel comfortable, you know, I like mm-hmm. think it's uh, important to like, if you want to start a family to start in a place that you feel comfortable for your family to be. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Is it, uh, what's the cost of living in North Carolina? It's pretty decent. Um, Charlotte, perhaps, is probably the fastest growing city in America, or one of the top two or three. Um, and their cost of living is really decent right now. Okay. So, I mean, you can get in now, you can get a really nice house. I mean, like a million dollars will get you way more than you can get in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking four bedrooms, two acres of land, a little pond, like you something You don't nice. want the little square room here in downtown? Oh, my God. Overlooking the other way, condos? Way too much. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I know I'm blessed. I have a really, really nice place. Um, so I'm pretty blessed on that nice. front. Yeah. So how does a guy who was born in North Carolina, raised in Japan, yeah, end up becoming a chef in Toronto? Oh, man. That's a great question. You know, I uh, living in Japan. I was there from the age of three to thirteen, right? So, are you fluent? Uh, no, I mean, it's it, um, very little now. Okay. Like, yeah, so very little. For a while, when I moved back as a teenager, for like five years, I was, and then I start meeting less and less Japanese people mm-hmm. in my hometown, and it's just like you know, you kind of gotta practice it. Yeah. Um, you know, I have some Japanese friends here that I talk to, but um, yeah, you know, living, traveling a lot uh, as a kid you know i've been to the philippines japan alaska pretty much all the southeast asian countries plus alaska because of military bases my father's in the military and so that was really cool and then when i graduated culinary school uh, when i graduated high school i went to culinary school 
And then that led me to Disney World. And in Disney World, I met, like, Disney World's like a dorm, like, where I was at, right? So it was, like, a bunch of students called Vista Way. And this bunch of international students that live there from around the world, Italy, and just name it. So there's a, there's a representation of a bunch of students from different countries. And so I got to live there, got to meet people from different, different countries that I wanted to eventually visit. Hmm. So then I traveled more, like Norway, Italy. Um, so it's just a travel bug. And then I ended up, at some point in my career, I ended up in Hawaii. And that's when the Canadian journey started. I was in Hawaii. Um, and it was really cool. I left Hawaii to come to Canada, but I was in Hawaii. It was pretty cool, you know. And um, yeah, let's leave the warm climate for yeah, for cold. Exactly. I met someone, and I was you know curious of the country, and yeah. I think that was the time when Susa Lee was on. Um, I think he just just won Iron Chef or something like that. Okay. And as a chef, and wanted to work at the best with the best, I was like, well, maybe there's an opportunity in Canada, maybe. Because before, no one thought Canada, you know, 10 years ago, no one thought of Canada as a place where good food is. Mm. I mean, now there's Michelin, so yeah. But no one really thought at all 10 years, maybe even four years ago. Um, and so I kind of, like, I decided to come, and I ended up working at um, Canoe. Yeah. Um, worked at Luma. I opened up Luma Restaurant with Jason Bangader. Worked with Patrick Chris. He's a chef of Aloe. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bangor is the chef of Langman Hall. Those are two of the top ten restaurants in Canada. So you know uh, that journey started, and I kind of got stuck here. So <laughs> <laughs> the snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I used to work at Oliver and Bonaccini's. Okay, which way one? back in the day, the the one at uh, Bayview Village. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, that, that's that's really nice. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, no, Auberge was across this was on York Mills. Oh, that's right, York. Yeah, Mills, that was yeah. the French one. Okay, yeah, 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 but that one was a that was a dope one. That one's crazy. That was great. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. did our orientation there. Yeah. So imagine your first like week at this working at this restaurant, and your orientation is not in a room; it's at a French fine dining restaurant. Yeah. So it was a really good introduction. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. But the hospitality industry is hard, man. Yeah, it is. It's not easy. It is. It's like a lot of long hours. And we've had on a few chefs who've talked about that too. Mm-hmm. Like, is that has that been your experience? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I've had a different experience from everyone. Not everyone, but some people. Yes, it is a long, a lot of long hours, a lot of like uh, standing up, paying attention. It's very kind of like a military. It depends on where you are. I think I really had the luxury of working at where it's a really nice, amazing chefs at Walt Disney World at the beginning of my career, and that was less of the yelling. Um, and it was long hours, but it's Disney. It's not that long. They really can't overwork you. I think the longest I worked was like 20 hours straight. So check this out, though. It's not it, long, it, but it, longest it, I worked was 20 long. hours. Yeah, so, che- <laughs> so check this out. Like, the average was eight hours, and you never really worked over eight unless you wanted to. 20 hours is because there was a hurricane. Oh, and okay. so it was like, what do you want to do? You want to, like, kind of keep working? Because, like, once you hit eight hours, you get hour, time, and a half. And then once you hit time um, eight hours more, you get uh, double time. Oh, yeah. And so I'm sitting here like, okay. And then a buddy of mine told me last hurricane I made uh, I made like eight grand. I was like, what? <laughs> so I just kind of stuck with it. It's just like I'm not sleeping, so I just kept working. And damn, but that was by choice, right? So mm-hmm. I hope you weren't cooking any chicken. No, <laughs> no, no chicken. <laughs> so okay, so walk us through this process. You said your dad's in the military. Yeah. Did you find it challenging going from place to place to place at such a young age? No, I loved it. Why? I don't know. 
I, you know, I just think if I was back in 200 years ago, I'd probably be like one of those explorers, even <laughs> further than 200 years ago, you know, like I'd probably be on a sailboat exploring the world. Um, I really just love seeing different places, you know. All my life I've had new friends and I've been able to adapt to new people mm. and new surroundings. And I think the I think the military life really helped with that. Um, I can just kind of you could drop me somewhere and I'll be okay, you know. Yeah. So I think I think there's a lot of people that um, probably deal with certain issues with that. There's some professional athletes like Robert De, Robert the Griffin the third. He mm-hmm. went to the same uh, middle schools I went to, and that was in Japan. Um, so there's a lot of professional athletes that had like military fathers or, or parents and right. did the travel thing. But I loved it actually. What about the concept of having a military father? It was great. I okay. mean, it was. You know, you know, I come from a community. Uh, you know, I, I come from a community, a black community in, in North Carolina. I just posted on my social my uh, social media today. By the time I was 19 years old, I had four people pull a gun to me. So you Jeez. know, being a military father kind of kept me away from hanging out with those people that pulled pulled a gun on me, right? Mm. Like. Um, so I think, I think if I didn't have my military father, it'd probably have been a different path for me because it's just like the people around you, you know, like you kind of adapt to th- that surrounding, unless you're like a, a major athlete or you got something going on, uh, the community doesn't really protect you. It's like, you know, you're going to go do something and be great somewhere. They want you to kind of represent the community. So they, you know, drug dealers don't let you hang out with the drug dealers. Right. If you're that special kid and I wasn't necessarily a special kid, I was just a kid. So my dad instilled a lot of like, um, um, I guess, you know, a lot of foundational tools that I use to stay out of those crowds and making bad choices. Can he not want you to cause military is usually like it's family too, like your like your dad's military, your uncle's military. Mm-hmm. Is that you? They didn't try to get you into no, military. Yeah. And, so this is a good, great question. I, uh, I wanted to join the military 9-11. Okay. I was uh, it was my first year at Walt Disney World, and I was like, that happened, and I'm like, geez, this is horrible, man. And I just remember my dad told me there was a time in his life where he decided to join the military, and he joined uh, the Vietnam time, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just like that decision was a family decision, but also a country decision, a call to duty. I don't think everyone has that in their in their soul or in their heart to want to to want to like jump and call be called for duty. But I had it, so and I was I was very adamant of joining. I couldn't join because I was born with a heart defect, mm. and so I mean I've been very athletic my whole life. Um, you know, uh, very high level baseball player, uh, wrestler in, in high school. I could have went I could have went really high in, in the college world, but I didn't do it not because of the heart condition. Heart condition wasn't something to um, slow me down from that. But military physicals, that slowed me down, right? Mm-hmm. So Military physical. Well, you I have guess. to take a physical to get in the military. And that's harder than playing, like, high-level I could have made the military and been, and been fine. But, you know, there's a liability thing there, you know? Oh, so they wouldn't knowingly take you on type yeah. of thing. What Do you mind asking, if you... Do you mind my asking what what exactly is the heart condition? There's a, there's a there was a couple things you know like uh, I was born I'm the only person in my family with a heart condition, um, uh, a hole in my heart and a regular heartbeat. I was born with a condition called rheumatic rheumatic heart fever, and that leads to tons of other heart issues like like the hole in the heart, irregular heartbeat, enlarged heart, and leaking valve. So I had all those growing up. Three of them I grew out of, you know. I'm still kind of. 
there's still you know there's still symptoms there's still issues but uh you know i've been pretty healthy my whole life um yes. yeah. um pretty athletic travel um do crazy hikes you know like and it doesn't stop you from doing no that. no That's there's good. i don't take any medication for it, you know yeah. you know um so but you know they're they're you know it's always a concern you gotta keep keep up with it check up yearly make sure you're good you know so i was told at certain ages i'll probably have to get a, a replacement for a heart valve or something mm -hmm. like that but you know i've been living i've lived a pretty pretty beautiful life so a replacement valve valve yeah you got four heart valves okay and, and one of mine's still leaking but it's not leaking enough to to be any concern but the order you get the order your organs get mm. and so the order your organ get the less they kind of like work at optimization so um, does that ever does that like linger in the back of your mind that at some point course, you gotta... of course you know i've been i don't want to say that but I, you know i've been you know my life has been one of those interesting interesting lives um First and foremost, I'm extremely blessed just to be here in front of you, gentlemen. But you know, I I thought about I thought about death a lot because it's like I grew up in a hospital. Mm. So from the time I was 18, every month I was in the hospital getting a penicillin shot. They were kind of they were kind of wanting me, you know, make sure I didn't get any other outside diseases that would affect my heart. So I had to get this long, like four inch needle in my butt <laughs> every month until I turned 18 and then then they felt my heart was strong enough to kind of like go on and do, yeah. do things right so um yeah you know I this I've I, I've never had it in the back of my mind but I always knew that you know I just feel like I'm special I'm different a bit mm -hmm. I was I was born of this not because of anything of uh, neglect from my family or or like uh, past history or it was a there's a thing called the Camp Lejeune contamination um water issue and I was one of the babies that were born in that at that time, so oh jeez, yeah. So it was like a bunch of other illnesses. There's people that got cancers, people that died already, you know. So I'm, I'm lucky, I'm blessed, you know. So like it's like it happened, you know. I don't I don't think about it that much at all. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it? There's a lot of reasons, a lot of things that have happened in your childhood or in your life to this point, that there's many of us out there who would take that and go, this is why. I choose not to make the best of. Here are all my reasons, right? Here are all the issues, you know, feel for me type of thing. Yeah. You give off a very different impression. Yeah. Like, hey, it happened. I'm very blessed. I'm lucky. Now it's about moving forward. Yeah. How does that mentality work? Like, is that something that always came to you? Do you have to craft that? Do you have to work on maintaining it? So I talked to my mom about this four weeks ago. And, you know, we have conversations about, like, childhood and how I was as a kid. Kind of, I have questions. I stem some things I don't remember. I do remember. I, I told her, like, man, you know, I had this heart condition for a long time. But, Mom, have I ever complained about it? She's like, no. You never complained about it. She's like, you just you just go. You just have it in your in your mind, your heart. You drive. You have a goal. You go. And you just do it. You know, I don't think you should worry too hard about things that you can't control. I mean, there's so many other reasons to stress, and there's so many reasons you shouldn't stress about the things you should stress about. Mm -hmm. But don't bring self-stress on. And I think if I'm gonna, if I'm thinking about that, then I think if you, if your mind, everybody says you put your mind to it, it's gonna, you know, you can do all anything you want to. Yeah. But if you put your mind about something that's negative, then what? This is just the reverse effect, right? Yeah. So I think 
because of my mom and my dad um hearing some war stories from my dad and one of them be like oh yeah i can handle, you know i can handle that too yeah. it's just a mentality man i think it's just natural some things you you know some leaders are are taught to lead some people are natural born, naturally born to be a leader um some people are natural warriors we're warriors mm-hmm. you know i don't worry at all and it's just like just gotta keep moving just gotta keep moving try to get to the next goal mm-hmm. um and don't let a lot of people or ideas stop me do you think you can teach someone to be a leader i think you can teach people the core foundation of being a leader and if they can read that core foundation every day going into leadership then and if they have the discipline the self-discipline they can be a leader but then there's natural born leaders where people just gravitate and follow you into let's just say into battle or into any any situation they just believe in you and your vision and, and that leader, I think we all need leaders in our lives. I think as human beings, we just need somebody to kind of like look up to, to um, to kind of like push us a bit. And then there's self-motivators, you know, like I'm a per se self-motivator and a, and a self-leader. Um, but as a leader, you need other people to take, to do their roles, to kind of get you to what your goal is or what the achievement of, of your leadership is supposed to be. So it's a team play. How about your dad? What about him? Was he a self-taught mo- leader, motivator, or yeah. was he just a natural-born leader? Natural. Okay. It's just, it was, it, it's just in him. My dad has a very calm demeanor about him. Um, that is, uh, you, you know, from some of the stories I heard growing up, you wouldn't expect such a calm demeanor from that type of person. And it's really cool for me to know that type of person. Yeah. But I know that I, I, I call it the controlled volcano because he can, he can unleash anytime he wants to, mm-hmm. but he chooses not to. I mean, that's complete control. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson. And, I was going to say, it sounds very familiar to, to that. Yeah. So I was, just, I was just thinking about something he said is like, it's better to know how and not use it. Yeah. And then to not use it to know how, because if you don't know how to use it and, you try to, you can get hurt, you can hurt somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I grew up. And I grew up in martial arts, and so I know how to do a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of discipline, a lot of self-control, and a lot of... Yeah. Interesting. Self-control is, is extremely hard, though. Why? Because, like, you know, the flesh is weak. Like, yeah. the, 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 the flesh is something that is capable of doing action at the moment. The mind isn't necessarily that capable, but the mind leads the flesh into doing that action. You can think something to existence and then work hard to get there, but if I want to pick up that cup, my hand can do it. If I want to punch somebody, my hand can do it. To fight that urge, that anger, those issues, mentally, it's a bit harder than to just not do it. So I think the flesh is like harder and harder to control in a lot of ways. Why do you think it's harder for guys to... Anger is an emotion. It's for a lot of guys. Anger is the default emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's fear of expressing vulnerability or an unawareness of how to regulate their emotions or have conversations. Why do you think that that's the case? That's a good question. I, you know, okay. So there's a couple ways to explain this. Emotions. I'm a very emotional person, but I'm not a lashing out type of emotional person. I don't react to my emotions. I go internally to figure out what's going on before I lash out. And I think a lot of, you know, I, I'm going to come from a point of view. I grew up in a, a very, like, a small town, 
um, over the years it has grown a bit violent um, in in the south in the North Carolina area, and there's a lot of kids that don't have fathers, and then those fathers that aren't around aren't able to teach them certain roles that a man should play in in, in um, the lives of people around them, and a lot of those kids end up in jail, end up killing somebody, hurting somebody. Hmm. Um, and not having the father person, the father around, and the father doesn't have to say do this and that. It's just lead by example, you know, show up, pay mm-hmm. bills. Um, you know, there's a school recital or something at school. One of the most important things that happened to me in my life was my dad showing up to uh, something important to me. And I didn't realize how important that was until after, until I was older. Because, it's, you know, I knew my dad was always around but he was always either in Afghanistan or doing something for the US government and so that was pretty cool but when he shows up to something it meant the world to me and that seeing him saying that he's going to do something and do it it's pretty strong for a young boy to see men, young men are very impressionable people like mm-hmm. you said emotions there's a lot of lashing out of emotions because they don't, can't control it they get angry and they want to punch somebody Hmm. The person who walks away that can destroy anybody is is actually the more more superior person, yeah. right. right? So, I think I think that's a, a huge aspect in being able to control that. You know, it's just like the and and I can only speak to you know the American black black cultures. There's a lot of single fathers and these hmm. kids don't have that male figure. And then you go to play at high school basketball and the coach becomes your male figure. You know, like we have a recent recent thing on. So this isn't all cases. The father does have to be a bit mature. Um, we have a recent case with John Morant holding guns, and mm-hmm. the guy's worth two yeah. two hundred fifty million dollars. He I lost forty million dollars like last thinking, year. Like, why would you like? You're throwing away everything. Everything. Everything, everything. for what? Yeah. Social media, IG live post, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the people I grew up with on the streets. Um, I didn't grow up on the streets. I, I grew up with a lot of people that were on the streets that I call my friends and, you know, they, they, they got my back. I would got, I will have their back in a legal situation, not in, not any of the other <laughs> yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, they're, they're still my homies. I still got love from them. I still respect yeah. them. Um, but they would do anything to be in his shoes. And I feel like the people around you, like, are, are, are I think he's very impressionable to the people around him so he's always trying to impress them mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's, uh, it's kind of sad and I think his dad has a lot to do with it because his dad seems to be pretty young um, and he, men don't men don't mature faster than women you know like it's there's true. there's mm-hmm. there's stories out there that 50 year old men still act like 12 year olds mm-hmm. so like it, it, it could be a possible um, situation I'm not a psychiatrist so I, I won't yeah, dive yeah. deep yeah. into that but I just look from the outside why would someone it has the world you know the NBA is a very very powerful organization yep. and he's the future of it mm-hmm. he could, could be, be the face of he it. could be the face of it if yeah. he wants to right if he cleans his act up even now he still could be so it's just like I just kind of like why would someone do that and I hear all these pundits talking and a lot of them make a lot of sense but no one's asking what's wrong with him and, and, and he has been a person his whole life that's everything's been given to him because of his naturally born gifts mm-hmm. And, and, and no one's ever said you can't do it. Even during the first time he did it during the playoffs, they only rushed him back because he had the playoff game. They want to win, mm. right? If they would have took that serious and actually put him in a in a facility, a rehab facility for like a month or 40 days, which is supposed to be at least 40 days, then maybe there would have been something to help him out with. So I think the emotional aspect of men 
plays a lot to do with a male figure in your life. And that's so just the my lack, the lack of a male figure. I'd, I'd agree with that yeah. too. Yeah. The yeah. lack of a male figure. Yeah. His friends aren't helping too. It's also talking about like keeping your circle close and your friends. It's like his friends got to be like, hey man, like what are you doing? Yeah. Not, yeah. not, not hyping him up and, you know, you should know if he even has anything on him, camera shouldn't be around in the first place, right? Like you gotta, you gotta keep your friends around you because they're, they're not, they're not losing money. Well, they're yeah. the, in that scenario, yeah. that friend is what doing it for for his own clout. clout. Yeah. But is that to me? It's just like you know, maybe that his friend doesn't have a male figure in his life, and his friend he's so impressionable to his his friends that he 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 loves and respects that. The, their ideas are he wants to do what they want to do yeah. he, he wants to be a gangster like they are i don't understand their mentality when they have a guy that's willing to be that loyal to them that's worth 250 million dollars why don't you do what lebron's boys did mm -hmm. they started their own business they're all they're all close yeah. to being like worth 500 million dollars each right now because they all said my buddy's about to be in the nba and he's about to be the best Ron's like, look, go work for this guy for two years, and I'll, I'll give you some money for your business. Go work, go do this for a couple years, and we can start a we can start a film company. Like, now that's brilliant. that's brilliant. Yeah, that's LeBron James is a is everything everything that a, a lot of people should look up to. I think when it comes to just you know fathers and stuff, he's mm. great with his off the off the court. He's absolutely great, amazing. Great with his kids. <laughs> I, I love LeBron on the court too. Okay, yeah, but like, I but like, wasn't sure. People, that dis was a people shot. disagree with the on the court part. So yeah, I do. Like you know, yeah. But like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Michael Jordan guy. Yeah. Kobe guy, Mike, not Kobe over LeBron, but Michael Jordan over LeBron. Yeah. LeBron's Why? The, LeBron is the third best player of all time. Who's and second? that's a great accolade. Who's the second? The second is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, so and Jordan's the first. And, and Jordan's number one. So what makes LeBron third? I'm fascinated, but I don't have a I don't have skin in this game. I watch it as a you know, for entertainment. Yeah, I'm not married to any ideas of who should be first. Yeah, I grew up. I I watched a little bit of Jordan at the end, mm -hmm. and then mostly LeBron. Mm -hmm. So for me, I go you know I see LeBron now because of relevance, right? Yeah. But I can get it on the flip side. Like if you're a hockey fan and you grew up watching Gretzky, and then you watch Crosby and McDavid, you go, mm. yeah. So why is LeBron, in your perspective, third? Well, before we go there, Jordan could have easily won eight championships in a but row, he, but he didn't. Okay, I, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. Could have. I know. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna go there. I no just want to say he okay. could have, but um, he didn't. You know, mm -hmm. he did go play baseball, and he did. His father died. LeBron could be the best if he would have had a similar record. The guy's been to ten championships and only has four rings. Like at any other job, I mean, most people get fired for that. Success Isn't there rate. an art? Really? No, but you're making it, still making it to 10. But my, my thing is, my thing with LeBron is at this point now, at 38, and he's still balling at this level. Now, longevity ward, he wins. Great. Like, he's taking care of his body. I mean, like, geez. He can he play for another couple of years. Uh, how much is yeah. it that he spends Millions. on his body a year? Millions. Millions. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few athletes, him, Brady, Russell Wilson, that have been. I think Ronaldo too. Yeah, yeah. been known to spend Messi, I believe. But that's why, and also, and that's uh, why they're playing until their forties. Yeah. I mean, that's, I got so much. I'm talking about like Jordan has seven, mm -hmm. uh, six, uh, six championships. He has he won all those MVPs. Every championship yeah. he has an MVP trophy to to, to uh, show you. He's been the best player. He's been the best defensive player in the league. He's got a defensive all team. He's got so many accolades that LeBron don't doesn't doesn't have at all. So it's like maybe if LeBron had some of those things over his beautiful career, mm -hmm. you know, he skipped so many so many things that Jordan did, and he did it in a short time. So if you take all Jordan's glorious years of 10, 10 glorious years, 
he's achieved way more than LeBron has in 19 years. Mm. So, I mean, that right Did there. Did you say alone, the league is harder today than it was back no then? No way. Can't be that because hard. Because of what? The physicality it's, of it? I, yeah, but that that has nothing to do with LeBron. He's 6'8", 235, 40, 60 pounds. How big was Jordan? Six foot six. Okay. Yeah, but if you, it's harder in a up. different sense, though, too, because it's also with social media. Because remember, social media was around back then. Jordan wouldn't play that long because he had that little gambling problem. There would have been more issues because we wouldn't. We, and he, Jordan he, was he, a he, terrible teammate. Yeah. Jordan wouldn't have been able to play now because there's too many people around. He would have, like, he, what is he, punched that guy in practice because he didn't pass him the ball? Yeah. Which, but, is a, which is a great story. Everybody loves it. But if that happened now, he wouldn't be on the, he wouldn't be on the team be on anymore. The team, Look no. what happened to Draymond Green and he punched the guy. Yeah. But Draymond Green's nowhere as good as him. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, we live in a time where if you tweet something wrong and, and there's one person that doesn't feel good about it, then everybody, goes. everyone's going to, you know, it's, it's like everyone wants to take their personal issues and put it into the world when somebody does something that they feel is wrong. Yeah. We all have individual individual lives to live the best that we know how we can. You know, it's no no need to put our own beliefs on other people's plates, especially if you feel a bit insecure about some things in your life. He's like, dang, that sucked that he said that. Mm. Not dang, that sucks that he said that he's a loser and a bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, maybe pray for them. You know, maybe think about them in a, in a, a better way so maybe they'll do better in the future because it seems like we just kind of want nobody have second chances anymore yeah. well how do you deal with your own insecurities because we all have them right they all yeah. pop up from time to time you could be on a great streak mm -hmm. and then suddenly go cold yeah yeah how do you deal with those moments so my insecurities are only with personal relationships okay. so you're right everyone has them aware right so mine's with personal relationships friendships or friendships and even closer yeah okay. and it's just like you know, I'm a I like I'm a I'm a goal oriented guy. I'm a, I like to achieve so many different things, and there's always uh, there's always somebody that out there that's done more than you have. I really didn't start getting um, I guess would even well known, or I didn't get like start making like okay money until like recently, hmm. right? So like my career has been. I grind, grind, grind for so many years and it's starting to pay off a little bit. So I'm a bit older and then there's like, you know, you see the younger generation making $400,000 a year in crypto and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you ask yourself, did you do anything wrong? Yeah. That's when you have to just like look at it and like, well, I didn't do anything. I did everything right. I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing you can, only thing you can rely on is like within yourself, did you do something wrong to get where you are? And is it still is is the car still moving? You still have opportunities. So I guess my insecurities comes from situations like you know, am I would look in within myself like, am I doing everything I can to achieve the goals? So am I leaving anything? Yeah, the negative talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I look I, I look under each crevice and see did I leave anything under there? You know. And what about the relationships part? Yeah, it's just like loyalty. Mm. It's just um been in some situations where lack of loyalty and it's on just your part on the on other, other people so you feel like you you're too loyal too quickly i'm not too loyal i'm just i don't expect i don't expect the chatter behind your back okay. okay i had a buddy of mine um i guess to give you an example i have a buddy of mine and i forgive him in every in every every facet he didn't even see this I forgive him every facet. I never had to see him in my life, you know. Yeah, yeah. I got. I, I, I forgive him. I hope he does everything he wants to do in his life. I wish him only the best. But I had a restaurant, and uh, he, uh, he he basically we known each other for a long time. He um, and we broke bread together. We knew each other really, really close. 
for years before. And then he came to my restaurant and shook my hand, told me everything was amazing. All, all the food was great. It was amazing. Like, great job, chef. And then, I don't know, two days later, I'm hearing, like, he's telling everybody that my food's crap. And I'm sitting here like, wow. And he's like, oh, yeah, his fried chicken sucks. And I was just like, geez, he just told me, like, that's the two-face. Okay, all right, mm. cool. And then I seen him, like, a couple days after that. Mm. And he started talking to me, hey, how you doing? And I just, like, just kept walking. Yeah. Well, I looked at him, like, just kept, I didn't acknowledge him. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, like, why should I actually put myself in that situation but my insecurity is coming from like who do you trust who can you bring within your circle that aren't looking for material yeah you know and come to find out he oh he, he um he uh he's doing his own business with chicken so maybe it was like one of those things where he's like gotta put everybody down so he can lift this stuff up with that being said man you know i just like i'm always like weary of the people i bring within my inner circle yeah make sure i can be who i am and not like talk uh, you know, talk with a filter. Yeah. You know, like it's not like we're I'm saying anything horrible or bad or like negative towards anyone in their, in their lives or anything. Yeah. But you never know who can take what out of context. So. Do you keep your circle small? I keep my circle close. Mm. So it could be big, but I know everybody well. Okay. You know, I keep it. I keep it close. Um, and I got some really good people around me, like amazing, amazing, um, very like intelligent business people around me i actually stopped hanging around with like every chef i know and start hanging out with all the business people i know ceos start hanging out with people who are hedge fund guys uh, uh people that are that know things i don't know. Mm-hmm. You know i don't know anything about the financial world so i start hanging out with those people and you know one of the things the coolest thing i found out is i feel like as far as a career is concerned when it comes to numbers, those people are way less emotional. It's it's, a, it's like, why be emotional about facts, right? Mm-hmm. Like the numbers are the numbers, fix it, you know? So I find out they're a lot less emotional and they're able to, easy to have conversations with when it comes to just like, um, let's fix this, and mm-hmm. opposed to like panicking, you know, so. So you're running your own shop right now, multiple shops. Yeah, I got a couple things going on. Yeah. Tell us about it. Because you're essentially an entrepreneur in addition to being a chef. Like, like you're not just a chef for another restaurant. You're doing your own thing, which means those numbers matter. Yeah, and I got the very, very important people around me to, to help me manage those numbers. Yeah. I'm taking in everything I can, right? Like, you know, I think if you spend 20 minutes a day on something for a whole year, you become an expert at it. Um, there's no way in the world I spend 20, day, 20 minutes a day on numbers. Um, but I want to, and I'm trying to. But I got the right people around me, and I, and like, there's a lot of numbers that come in play, and I remember in the beginning of it, because I've always done everything on my own, and I was always protective over the numbers, but I didn't know the numbers. Mm. And so I was protective over something because I was insecure about that. I didn't know it, and, and like, I'm like bringing the money, but I'm losing money. Like, how does that happen, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to watch it, what's going in and out, and you got to figure it out. And so I got people around me now that just like, I let them focus on it, on a day to day, and when I have a question, they sit down. They sit down with me and they go over it, mm. so I can completely understand it. Which is super important, yeah. because that's how you can make sure that not only are you learning something, but you can also continue to trust the people in your circle, 100%. people who are doing that for you. Yeah, yeah. So what's uh, 
Friday Burger Company, the big patch on it's the chest. Two thousand twenty-one. Yeah. Um, so so I started the I started a restaurant called Friday Roots. It was on Dundas. That place closed down, but I was like uh, had a burger on the menu. Always wanted to do a burger joint since I was a kid, and so. What's your favorite type of burger? Oh man, I don't know if I have a favorite type. I've been I've become a sucker for Nashville burgers recently, Eat, like a oh, Nashville sauce. Yeah, the sauce, right? Yeah. I like a California smash burger. So it's not like the smash burger where it's like crispy on the edges. It's like a thicker beef bite. And I, I like the bite into beef, not yeah. like like paper thin beef. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's probably my California smash, probably my favorite burger. What about like topping? What's like the like the best random topping? Like I've had pineapple on a burger before, mm-hmm. and it was really good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, was it grilled with the with the jerk depends, sauce grilled depends, pineapple right? with some jalapenos, and it was it was one of those things you wouldn't expect, but like it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, it depends. The pineapple is freaking amazing. It all depends on how you. You uh, organize to other toppings, mm-hmm. you know, like pineapple. Is it a teriyaki burger? Like, you know, are there pickles? Because that pickle and the sweet might work really well, right? Like, it's just like burgers are a balance of flavors, right? So, like, you have pickles on a really, really buttery, cheesy burger, fatty burger, because it cuts through the fat for you. Mm. Or you don't have it if it's just a burger. You don't need it if it's just like a regular, no cheese, not a fatty cut. Um, you don't really need a pickle. So it's like you can have a pickle on it, and nothing's wrong with having a pickle on any type of burger. But if you want to have a balanced burger, you know, you have the crispy crunch with lettuce or even crispy onions. You have that nice, fresh, slightly sautéed onion taste, which mm-hmm. is amazing to me. Yeah. Um, then you have the caramelized that brings out the sweetness. Um, then you have the, 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 the actual crispiness on the outside of the patty, um, the, sauce and, the sauce and the seasoning. Um, so there's so many elements that make a great burger. I do burger reviews on my TikTok, and I've done a lot of them. The, the core, I've done a couple trickster burgers, I call them, like um, burgers that aren't necessarily your favorite or something. You'll order like a peanut butter burger. Mm-hmm. I've had a peanut butter burger. It was absolutely amazing. Really? But I do call it a trickster I've heard, I've burger. I've heard about those, yeah. Yeah. Why is it a trickster burger? It's just it's because it's a different burger. Like a burger, okay. it should be lettuce, tomato. Or not lettuce, tomato, classic, sorry, lettuce, yeah. cheese, and pickle. Or, right, or like onion. a so base no classic. Yeah, yeah. You don't no need, tomato? You, don't need, you can have a tomato on it, but you don't need one. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I've done all that, and I think the ones that I the, the ones that I review um, on a certain scale are the ones that are, you know, their signature burger. So I go in, like, I just want to get your signature burger, and then I'll review it, right? So if you can't make a good signature burger, why would I order anything else? Sure. So... No, I really want a burger. The signature to me should be, my signature burger is is my regular burger. It doesn't have like just barbecue sauce on it. You know, it has my sauce, the way I like my my meat, yeah. my, a certain cheese. That's my signature burger. It's a very specific way. That's yeah. How do you. you do it? Yeah, yeah. Like if you lined up a hundred people to make a burger with lettuce, tomato, um, and onion, who makes the best one? That's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but you got. Do you like like a medium rare burger? Because you can't do that in Can't Canada. do it in Canada. Yeah, so how does that work for your burger company? Wait, what? Why? Uh, meat loss. Canada, you can't do a lot of like... Ground beef has to be cooked to 165? Yeah, one's, yeah, in Canada. You can't do a medium rare burger? No. Beef burger. Beef, no. beef no. burger. Yeah. But if you've ordered like a burger that's got like a slab of meat in there, that's 
Like, I don't, I don't get it. I've ha- I, I swear I've had that here. Yeah, I mean, you don't tell us who they are. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> don't say it on the microphone. <laughs> but in America, you can get a rare, medium rare. I just was in New York, and I had... Um, you get rare, too, right? Yeah, I had a burger at Minute Tavern. It's the Black Label Burger, and it was so delicious. But I don't get it. So what's the difference between that and having a rare steak? Ground gr- beef. Ground beef is different. Right, 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 right. Ground beef, yeah. So, okay. I mean... You can grind. I, you know, I make medium rare burgers at home. I grind my own beef. So yeah, yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> so weird. It is weird. There's some. Yeah. There's some weird. There's some weird rules here. But yeah, Friday Burgers is a is um opening Friday Burgers. It's at 81 Bay Street. Um, the date is to TDB. Then mm-hmm. I'm opening another location on the Danforth. Okay. Um, I gotta come by and check this place out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're you probably got me, you got me thinking about burgers. Like this is only the natural next step. <laughs> you should be thinking about burgers. It's a natural way of things. Do you, you only know? do beef burgers? Uh chicken. They're doing some fried chicken. In 2023, 2024, we're getting a lot of those veggie burgers and yeah. stuff like that. Do you do those? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I have my burger has to be a meat burger. So okay, look, I do a veggie burger, not a plant based veggie burger. Okay. It's a big difference. So, uh, like a portobello mushroom yeah, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know what? I love bologna. I love um, Oscar Mayer Wiener. I love, I love a good hot dog. <laughs> but there's a lot of things in a hot dog that yeah. necessarily aren't good for you. So I don't yeah. eat them as much anymore. I heard the minute yeah. I heard it's about a, that, I was like, no. Yeah, it's the same thing for plant based. Yeah, you know, they're they're not like the same intestinal things that are in uh, a hot dog, but it's this chemical intestine. So it's like, who yeah. knows what these chemicals that go into these these pro- products that how's I'm that gonna affect you in 20 years yeah i'm always weary of anything that's grown in a lab yeah and it sits on your stomach if you never ever notice next time you eat like one of those plant bases to the beyond like the beyond and the, yeah whatever you ones. whatever you want to call it like let, just like eat eat the, the product and let it sit for a while you'll feel it mm-hmm. in the gut a bit more yeah okay so you're opening up two shops mm-hmm. yeah date tbd yeah soon okay. summer Summer, yeah, summer twenty twenty three. Come around the corner, okay. Yeah, that'll yeah. be on the social media. Um, I, you know, I got the Chef Collective. Um, that's yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, Chef Collective's a uh, it's an events company that we we focus on highlighting chefs all around Canada. Um, you know, started off by uh, hosting a couple events. Um, in the beginning, Chef Devin was my partner, mm-hmm. and he st- <laughs> we still work together on it. Um, but like in the beginning, we are. Uh, just hosting like really cool battles in each all these restaurants. So people, I grew up in a in a, in the um, hip hop culture where battles was real. Like I come from like cannabis and uh, LL Cool J style battles. Like <laughs> that's some hardcore stuff. And then so um, I uh, was like, oh, we can do chef battles, like straight up. So two like chefs, Iron Chef style. Yeah, but okay. like live audience, people <laughs> yelling at you. Um, we did one in Montreal that was probably like to this day the best. We did it in a YMCA. We closed the YMCA down. About five hundred people showed up. Wow. Um, Montreal will show up for stuff like that. Oh, they gangster man. Yeah. When it comes to food scene, yeah, they definitely they're know, real they, hardcore. They definitely know their yeah. Food. yeah, the scene outside was ridiculous, man. Like there's guys burning the other restaurants' hats. <laughs> Um, it was just, it was all in good fun. People brought, uh, tongs and, and pans to the actual competition. They were banging it. Nice. It was just like, wow, these guys are, we're, Wild. we're, we're going back to Montreal this, this fall. Okay. So they do a, do a chef battle there. So we're going to start, um, doing some, uh, heavy recruiting. So I got that going. Um, 
uh, you can definitely check out the website if you go to my uh, my um, Instagram. And then um, I'm working on a bunch of other things. Uh, I work for a company called um, it's a knife company called Dow Strong, okay. and I'm I'm a, I'm a producer for content. So I am going out all around Canada looking for amazing stories with chefs. Um, food product providers, anybody in the food industry, mm-hmm. um, mom cooks, dad cooks, home cooks in general, um, kid chefs. So it's just like, uh, you know, it's a show that we're uh, that I'm producing, and the show is going to be kind of in between Parts Unknown and, and Fuck That's Delicious. So it's going to be like a kind of a mashup a little yeah. bit, and you know, with me as the host. Yeah. So working on that, and I'm working on some fashion stuff as well. So I got a lot of work. Keeping your finger, like keeping yourself busy. Yeah, yeah. Of, you got to. One of them might not work. You got to. Right. Well, that seems to be the common theme. Like a lot of the guys that we've had on that talked about the the entrepreneurial spirit is that you got to have multiple sources of income coming from different areas. Mm-hmm. Like you have to constantly be having something happening because if one doesn't work or fails or just doesn't do as well you're not reliant on it and i think the pandemic really highlighted that when yeah. a lot of people lost their sole source of income yeah yeah the pandemic was i tried a lot of different things that i didn't like in the pandemic um you know i tried to do my own barbecue sauce and then i look at the numbers and that that don't work out like mm-hmm. to deliver barbecue sauce costs more to, to make it right <laughs> so that didn't work out um pandemic was this it's an interesting time. I think I think a lot of people learned a lot about themselves. Even what you learn about yourself? I learned that I can I'm I can sit in silence. Mm, that's good. That's an important one. That's yeah, yeah. I've learned that I can. Uh, I learned that I can look in the mirror. Um, sit in silence. Um, and I, I learned that I love. I actually knew, but I learned that I love the wilderness a lot more. I moved out to BC in the middle of the woods not in the middle of the woods we lived in a house on the lake yeah, but okay. it was nice but it was like a small town of I don't know 500 people yeah. maybe even a little less or more I don't know the exact numbers um, but yeah that was a really good time to reflect and figure out how I wanted to come out of it so and what was that decision burgers burgers <laughs> <laughs> no I just I wanted I wanted to I want to come out doing what I love and I want to earn an income with that and it's just like I started doing I started doing my um, career not caring about any of the dollars. As a chef, it's like I'm not I don't care about the money right now, you know. But you it's know. about the craft, it's about the passion. Yeah, and it's still about all that. But now you know but it's, yeah, there's food bills the and there's like yeah. certain certain um, you know materially things that I want, uh, travel that I want to do, and things that cost money. Right. And and like I want to be able to be in a position financially to help people without asking for that help back so if yeah. a buddy of mine needs to you know i need to lend them a hundred dollars like here's a hundred dollars it's not like I don't, if you if you, can you don't have to pay me back right, anymore like i'm not lending you i'm giving it to you yeah Take like and when you get back on your feet let's go have dinner yeah you know what i mean yeah. like i want to be in that position where i can help people in general financially like and not just financially. I want to be able to feed people. I want to be able to teach people how to feed themselves. Mm-hmm. Not cooking, but, like, teach them how to do business and uh, be an entrepreneur. And, like, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? What are you sacrificing to be an entrepreneur? Give them all the information so they can make the right decisions. Mm. You know, like I'm doing uh, tomorrow, I'm feeding 50 kids, um, uh, making a bunch of sandwiches, just going to drop them off. Yes. And it's just like, you know, I want to do that on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, so it's just I'm working on 
a bunch of different things financially, and it's not because I want wealth. It's because I want wealth that I can help others with and as well live, live out the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. What's something you want to do that you haven't done yet? I want to I get a pilot's license. Nice. Well, very cool. Yeah. I want to get a pilot's license. I want to start a farm. Um, I want to do more traveling. I want to sail. Sail pretty far. Um, not sure where yet, but I do want to go on like a 30-day sail excursion. Do you have your boarding license? I do have my boarding yeah. license, not my um, class, class. I think it's class C license. Where I didn't even realize you need a yeah. license to operate. Well, I guess you would, but. Motor yeah. vehicle, yeah. Yeah, we we there's a we uh um, um have a boat here, but we don't we don't use it. I think we're I don't know. We haven't seen it in like four years. <laughs> we just because of pandemic and all that yeah, crap, know, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just like uh, I don't know. I just wanna I wanna my dreams are are focused around adventure, but also being able to sit down and help people hmm. and achieve their goals too. So, is the is the best burger made on a grill or a flat top? Great question. Both. Both. Yeah, um, to pick one. Yeah, because so the flat top is great. So the best way to make the best period, and any anybody hearing hearing this, can hit me up in the DMs because the best way to make a steak period is hard sear flat on the flat top mm-hmm. and finish it off on the grill. You can get that chart. The hard sear is why you put all the seasoning on it, and then you put it on the grill, and all that seasoning goes down the grates. <laughs> yeah. So if you put that hard sear, you searing all that flavor. And then it's just a beautiful pool of crusted flavor. And then you can finish it off on the mm. grill and get that char. Mm. But it has to be over wood, not charcoal, wood. Wood burning grill. Yes. Yeah. And that produces the best like unami flavor, like flavor all around. So to me, not to me, that is the best way. For a steak. For steak, yeah. yeah. I mean, cast iron skillet, no doubt, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, if you have all those, all that equipment, then why not do it? It's the time of year, too, summer. Let's do it. Damn, man. I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm so, okay, Joe, what else you got going on? You got all. You got the shops. You got the, the collective. Mm-hmm. You're doing some, some community work. Yeah. What's, what's something that you're not doing yet that you want to do? Well, I mean, uh, I'm like from ra- an entrepreneurial sort of. I'm writing. I'm writing a book, but I'm not doing it yet. I'm writing a book mentally. I'm taking down notes and putting what I want in the book. Yeah, books take time. Um, the book is a piece about me and my past. Like, I have some interesting stories that I think I can maybe somebody look. Man, if I if I buy a book and one person buys it and that one person's help, that's all that matters. I'm not buying a book to 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 get any money i'm getting a book because that's the way i can contribute to society with with my story right. uh, an educational um, um platform right because there's a lot of things that i've done in my life and i think there's a lot of things of the type of person who i am that people can learn from um you know i kind of like want this book to be a dissection like a, a dissection of who i am you know like i said i at turn turn 19 i had people four people four separate occasions pull a gun out on me you know like what was that like was scary like the first time was scary because i was like just moving back from japan literally got off the plane two days later some kid had a gun on me in mississippi and it's just like i'm 13 years old right mm-hmm. so like it's just like it was scary but each time that happened i never froze i was always prepared just in case i washed the hand the the, the focus was on peril it was like Okay, there's a couple scenarios here. 
You know what I mean? How do you get out of it? So I was always calm. I'm thankful for that because that, that was the martial arts I learned in Japan that taught me to be just calm in a matter of, and that's one thing that I can teach in a book, you know, is, is how to be calm in like difficult times and not, how, not, how not to, how to, to keep believing in yourself and not not believing yourself hmm. because it's not easy to be an entrepreneur. It's extremely hard when you don't have the financial backings. Like I hear all these amazing stories about entrepreneurs that have $100,000 in the bank so they're starting with something. And and um, they that they may ha- they have a fallback blanket as well, right? But they have a hundred grand in the bank starting a business. I I've never had a hundred grand in the bank to start my own business, mm-hmm. so I never had a fall. Of, you know, I never been in a, a situation where I can fall down in some soft pillows. Yeah, it was always a hard fall on my face. Like every failure was just like extremely hard. Like there's times where you know like just like. I was just swelled up with emotions. You know, you got to go to the gym. You got to hit the boxing bag. You know, you got to figure it out. Don't give in. Don't give up. If that's what you really want, you have to fight for it. You can't like, no one's going to give you anything. You got to fight for it and fight really hard. And and like go beyond the rounds. And when the, when the bell rings, you got to keep going. And so that was, that's, that's what I wanted to tell people. I want to tell people how to keep crushing it. Like mm. don't, don't like, don't stop believing in yourself because you need to learn from the mistakes. Every mistake is a lesson. And and just don't keep making mistakes. Yeah. You know? So. Awesome. Joe, you do you do awesome stuff, man. Y'all appreciate it, man. I and, try, man. And I appreciate your genuineness, authenticity. Like, the idea of, you know, this is cool. I could do all these things, but how can I give back? Yeah. Which I think is a lost art Yeah. in a lot of ways. I think there's a lot of people out there that are capable of supporting other people and i'm not saying necessarily financially Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. through their through their experience their their knowledge base even sharing knowledge for example you know instead of being gatekeepers they can share that and help someone pick someone up and give them the arm them with the information to go and become the entrepreneur to to do this and do that and i i get the sense that that's something that's quite important to your ethos your the way you operate so Totally respect that, man. Good stuff yeah. to you. I made tons of mistakes in the past. We all do. <laughs> tons yeah. of mistakes, you know, yeah. especially on the financial front. Is um, just like, you know, at, at sometimes like not being able to pay a staff member um, through restaurants that I've worked in. Like the restaurants uh, didn't weren't able to pay, and so I pulled out my pocket and paid it because I just hate that. You yeah. know? I hate mm-hmm. those situations, right? So, but uh, you know, mistakes are good if you if you take it from the right side. Lessons. They end up becoming lessons. Hundred percent. Amazing, Joe. Thanks for coming through, buddy. Thanks appreciate, for having really me. appreciate for you. Having yeah. Me. Yeah. It flies by, but this was cool. Yeah. Really and we got to cool. come by your burger spot when it opens. Invite yeah. will be out. I'll see you yes. invite for sure. Amazing. Please. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming by. Awesome guys. Poncho, appreciate you. Thank you everybody for listening.